I want to see, I want to see what you guys find most helpful out of this. So I thought I'd start by asking what kind of emergencies, if any, have you had at your house? Have you guys had anything happen? Um, like a broken bone? Um, my brother is like six, broke his leg when he was on the trampoline. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And um, was it obvious right away that it was broken? Well, he tends to exaggerate things a lot. <laughs> At first we thought he was just a little hurt, but then he won't stop crying, so. Mm-hmm. But there weren't any, um, like, bones sticking out or something really obvious. No. Right, right. So... Yeah, that's definitely an important thing to know that bo broken bones are not always evident. Sometimes the kid is actually really tough and they don't even cry that much. And then the next day they still can't put any weight on it. And then the parents are like, Ooh, wow. must be something going on. Um, anything else like a bleeding? No. Um, like a nosebleed isn't a real emergency, but it's definitely messy. What about you, Gemma? One time, like a few years ago, my brother was getting a spoon from the door on like a step stool because he was like three at the time. And they pulled it out and fell back and broke his leg. Oh, <laughs> he just so fell wrong. Yeah, he had to get an ambulance. It was crazy. Now, was it was the bone sticking out? No. Okay. Well, not that I remember. Okay. Wow. Um. So, um, they did they call the ambulance because your mom didn't want to drive him herself? Or? Yeah, I think my mom was kind of like scared almost. Mm hmm. And so she's like, I don't know. So. Yeah. Um, wow. Falling off the stool. So maybe she could have driven him, but she just Probably. kind of thought maybe it was more serious than just a, a leg. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And how long did it take the ambulance to come? I don't know for how. I don't know. Cause I was like five, maybe. Mm. Or six, five. So I can't remember that well. I just remember him like laying on the couch and my mom trying to move his leg. All I remember. Okay. Um, has anybody gotten like a big scrape or gotten something in their eye? One like, time. On bike? When my brother was a baby, he cut his eye with a newspaper or something. Oh, like a paper cut on the eye? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Paper cuts hurt really bad. They're not dangerous, but when you get something in your eye, it's really hard to not scratch it. Um, what about you, Cecilia? Any big bike wounds or anything like that? 
I've fallen off bikes before, but all that really happens is I like scrape my knee or something usually. Mm-hmm. But I think I was once riding my bike and I fell into the ditch and the handlebar went into my eye. Mm. So that was painful. Did you go to the ER? Uh, no, I think I had a black eye, but we didn't really have to go to the ER. Mm. It was bad, but. Yeah, that would give you a black eye, but that's what those eye bones are for, right? I mean, just think most of us wouldn't survive to adulthood with both of our eyes if we didn't have these bones protecting them. Um, okay, what about in your extended family or your parents' stories from their childhood? Do they have any good like broken bone stories or stupid things they did? I don't think they've ever mentioned that. <laughs> Maybe they don't want to give you guys any ideas, right? But... Yeah, probably. <laughs> think about that, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, one time my brothers got out of the shower and they were playing like naked towel tag like boys sometimes do once they get out of the, like they were hitting each other with their towels and they went to their room that was um, in a basement. So the ceiling was kind of low and they were flipping their towels and the glass fixture from the basement ceiling fell and broke and cut one of my brothers on his eye. And fortunately it got the white of the eye, not the retina, not the colored part or it would have changed his life because he's a pilot now It'd be a whole different life let me see if i can find the picture so when we took him to the hospital they bandaged both of his eyes because they said they didn't want him to look around um because that kind of irritates the eye when it what you need to, if you bandage the eyes both of your eyes then you kind of stop moving your eyes so much you you can still move your eyes under the bandage but you tend to not move them as much and so here it is so we we brought him home with the bandage we were leading him around and giving plates of food and kind of like feeding him dinner and then my dad said robert come here come in the kitchen with me so they went in the the cooking area we couldn't see them for a minute and my my brother came out with his eyes looking like this. My dad had drawn cartoon eyes on his bandage just for fun. So we got a picture of it to commemorate that moment. Um, okay. Now I think this is not actually Bella. I think it's Marco. Is this Marco? Yes. Marco, we were just talking about family emergencies. What kinds of emergencies have you seen in your own family? Um, An earthquake. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's true. We do have earthquakes kind of regularly here. Um, Have you had any broken bones or like a, a big bleeding thing? Yes. Yes. How many broken bones would you say? Because Marco's one of 10 kids, right? 11. 11, okay. 
Wait, me or one of my other siblings? Um, you or your siblings. Like, what have, what have you seen firsthand in real life? Well, I've seen my brother's head uh, crack open because he fell down. Mm-hmm. Did it bleed a lot? Kind of. Mm-hmm. And what about um, who has broken a bone of all the 11 of you? Um, Teresa. Josiah. Josiah and Adam. <laughs> now, were the bones sticking out or were you just able to tell it was broken because they were in a lot of pain? Well, no, it wasn't really sticking out. I think it was just because of the pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the talking about these examples that we've seen, it illustrates something important, right? That often the bones are not sticking out. It's often not that obvious. Um, eye wounds are pretty common. Scrapes, cuts. Yeah. And earthquakes are common where we live. Now, depending on what area of the country you live, different hazards are gonna be more common. So like Cecilia, you're in Arizona. In some parts of Arizona, like scorpions are really common, right? Yeah. You're supposed to shake out your shoes? Um, there's not actually that many in our area. There's okay. more where I live. She lives in Phoenix mm-hmm. and I live in Chandler and there's not actually that many. Okay. Maybe that you're in a more suburban area, so that just it's not like raw nature. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously the heat is a big consideration, right? You have to kind of understand how to you have to roll down your windows and do all these things so you're um, for when it's really hot outside. Yeah. And Gemma, remind me where you live. I live in Missouri. Oh, okay. So I don't, you don't probably don't get really extreme weather there. Just sometimes you'd get like a hurricane or a snow or a tornado. Is it flat enough for a tornado? It can get pretty hot in the summer and pretty Mm -hmm. cold in the winter. But this winter wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Really? Like for like years past. We got one big snow. Okay. We got like five inches, but. Oh, yeah, that's not even super, super big as far as snow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was, um, now you guys are not old enough to have experienced lots of emergencies yet, but which kinds of emergencies do you think are more likely or you would feel more prepared to deal with? What's something where you feel like, oh, if that happened, I would know. I don't know what to do. Like, do you know that seeing blood makes you feel super queasy or does it not make you feel queasy? Like you don't mind if you have to deal with blood. Well, if there's a lot of blood, it makes me feel sick. Mm -hmm. Only a little blood is fine. Okay. Any anybody else? Gemma, Marco? 
Um, maybe I, maybe a little bit feel prepared for a fire mm-hmm. or something. Or it just had uh, more pretty, of that in California, huh? Yeah, in the dry season. Hmm. Yeah. Now Missouri is probably not prone to fires, but where you live, Cecilia, is there a possibility of fire? in the more like um, country areas? Has, has there been any fires near you, Cecilia? Um, do you know where Apache Junction is? I've heard of the name, but I don't know if I've like driven past it. Yeah, it's a Marion, Arizona. That I think last year was burning for quite some time. And now, okay. if you're driving down the highway, you can see all the like black still. Mm-hmm. Pretty black. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, dry areas are going to be prone to that. Um, you know, someplace like Missouri, where it rains a lot more, there's that possibility that you could get floods, yeah. right? And then people have to kind of get out of their houses or you have to go up to the higher floors. Sometimes you yeah. see those pictures of people waiting to be evacuated by like other people with boats, right? Yeah, I live kind of on like a hill. So uh, you'd be good. Up. Yeah, people would be climbing up to see you, huh? <laughs> yeah. And what about things like, um, has anybody ever seen someone choking? Well, I once choked before, but... Oh, and your mom had to help you? Well, I just drank a lot of water. Oh, okay. It wasn't like she had to do... She didn't have to do the Heimlich on you? No. Okay. So that's not so crazy. Um, what about... Um, has anybody had anyone in their family that had a heart attack? No. No. Okay. Um, my mom's dad had a heart attack. Did he die of it or were they able to get him to the hospital? They got him to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So do you, have you guys talked about if you, if there were a fire or some kind of emergency where you needed to leave real quick? Like, do you know where your papers are and stuff like that? Or what, what do you think you would do? What would you grab if you had like 10 minutes and they're like, okay, there's a fire like 30 miles away. It's probably not going to burn our house, but we're going to go stay with grandma for a few weeks, a week or two until they settle the fire down because there's going to be tons of smoke. <clears throat> and we're trying to get out before everyone else gets out. So the roads aren't all filled with cars. <clears throat> So well, my mom. Oh, go ahead, Marco. Well, my mom's made like a fire list before of like what we're gonna grab. So maybe like, well, we're definitely gonna grab like all the babies and stuff, and we're gonna grab like blankets and sweaters, mm-hmm. and like food or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, let's kind of put a list here. I think that those are all important things. 
So you'd say people, obviously people are much more important than any things, right? So people first, people first, then things, right? Um, but in terms of stuff, the things, you definitely want um, computers, <laughs> right? And, and chargers, right? Because if you're gonna be away from home, it's nice that I'll have to buy a new charger. Because computer and chargers, um, keys. And then, as you said, it's a sweatshirt, blankets, water, and snacks. But you can usually get water and snacks somewhere else. You could even buy a sweatshirt or a blanket somewhere else, right? But you're not going to be able to get your own computer at a gas station, but you could get water and snacks at a gas station. So if you only had a few minutes, you'd grab your most personal stuff and then you'd bring cash to buy the other stuff. Um, you'd want to grab sentimental stuff, you know, things you'd want to have with you. Maybe your diary, you know, if you'd like to kind of write things down. If you were going to be stuck. If you were going to, if you were going to be displaced for a week or two, you'd probably want to like write about it in your journal or whatever, if that's something you already do. Maybe you have a favorite book or the Bible or something you might want to bring along. Yeah. Would you bring like pets? Like if you have like a pet turtle, would you like bring? Yes. Um, yeah. Or, like first, the gate? Then pets. So depending what kind of pet it is and what kind of emergency it is, sometimes you'd bring the pet with, with you and sometimes the pet can like kind of fend for themselves. Um, so like when we had a fire burn through here, the people who had horses, which are of course very expensive pets, um, they got their most valuable sentimental horses out with them in a trailer but then they let all the other horses go. And horses have instincts to just kind of avoid fire and run up the hill. And I think if a horse is allowed to just run free, it probably won't die in a fire, but it's a big hassle to get it later. And so you're not gonna let a $20,000 horse, you know, just like roam free if you can help it. Um, we had goats. We put our goats in with the neighbor's goats because their pen um, didn't have anything to burn around it. So we knew they'd be okay in the pen. And we brought our bunnies with us. We had some bunnies when we evacuated for a fire. And we, we went to a hotel and some people had brought their cats and bunnies and lizards with them in the hotel and put it in the bathtub of the hotel. So when we were meeting other parents, you know, it was like a hotel where you weren't exactly supposed to have pets, but they were kind of like not hassling everybody because it was an emergency. And so we were kind of like, they're kind of like, we brought our cat. I'm like, oh, we brought our bunny. And then we kind of like go down the hall and like say hi to the cat and the bunny to entertain the kids. Um, if you're going to a hotel to evacuate, if you're lucky, bring a swimsuit <laughs> so that you can swim. Right, because that makes it seem like a much more fun experience. But you could also buy a swimsuit. Um, and would you bring like utensils for the food? 
Um, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of hotels, sometimes you can get a hotel if you have to stay somewhere that has a kitchen and then it will have utensils in with the kitchen. And if you're getting a hotel with no kitchen, then you'd probably just go to the hotel restaurant to eat, which adds up pretty fast. It becomes a very expensive evacuation, but there's utensils there. If you were evacuating and you were going to go to like a campground, then you'd have to bring all your camping stuff. But when we had to evacuate for the fire, I wanted to go to hotel because I just felt like it'd be more comfortable. It would be more comfortable for everyone. We'd have beds to stay in. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the kids felt like we were having a vacation when we were evacuated for those two nights. If we, if we had stayed at our friend's house, it would have saved money, but we would have been more crowded. We wouldn't have slept as well. So I figured this is my thinking. We saw the fire. We checked on the map. We realized the fire was about five to seven miles away and the wind was blowing our direction. So the fire was most definitely going to blow, to burn over to our house. There was a lot of dry, dry grass and brush and there was, it was warm and windy that night. So we're like, oh, better evacuate. <laughs> so we evacuated as fast as we could while getting all of our sentimental stuff. So we had like an hour, an hour that we packed everything. We buttoned up the oh, house. We buttoned up the house, told all the kids, grab some stuffed animals, pack yourself some clothes. I got all of our photos. So I'll just put a list here of what I got. Photos, wedding dress, got all my shoes because I have really big feet and it's kind of hard to find size 10 wide shoes. And I'm Bye. kind of attached to my shoes. Um, some clothes, school books, um, I told the kids to pack swimsuits because I hoped we would get a room at the hotel. And we did. We got we got one of the last rooms that they could rent before the power went out at the hotel. And, um, oh, the kids are not excited about school books. And I brought um, Donald Duck comic books. Yay. Comic books for fun. Or Uncle Scrooge comic books, I guess. And obviously the computers, chargers, keys, all that. I did pack some water, just I wasn't sure where we'd end up staying um, and a couple snacks, but I figured we'd get that when we were out. So that's the stuff I got, basically sentimental stuff. And my husband brought all the cash he had handy. He brought some like trading cards that he could sell for cash if he just wanted some quick cash. So he packed those and he took pictures of everything right before we left. Because if there is a fire um, and everything burns down, you have to kind of have pictures to show what you had when you're making your case for how much money you need to fix everything, right? So that was something he remembered to do. And if he hadn't, then, you know, he wouldn't have. Um, and then we each drove one car. So we got both of our cars out. Now, one of the things that we were thinking about as this whole thing unfolded was we live four miles up a canyon road and there's only one way in and out for 50 to 100 you know families 
And I thought the fire is going to burn over the hill. It's going to jump the road because the road's not very wide, right? And the wind's blowing and the embers will jump. And if we wait too long to drive out, we're going to be driving through a bunch of smoke and there will be fire on both sides of the road. And as a parent, I thought that's going to be kind of scary for the kids, right? It's going to be kind of unpleasant. And we realized if we packed up fast enough, we wouldn't have to have the kids watch it burn on both sides of the road. We could drive out before the fire got over the hill. So that's what we did. The other thing that we thought might happen is that with so many people coming in and out quickly and the smoke and all the, everybody being kind of rushed that there might be an accident. And actually that did happen. There was an accident about halfway down the road. So people who left a couple of hours after us as the fire was getting right over the hill, they got stuck for a, a while behind this accident that happened until it could be cleared. And it was very difficult for the people to clear, move the cars in the smoke and all the confusion. So, you know, that's the thing that tends to happen in emergencies. <clears throat> if it's an, a natural disaster, a natural event um, that you can kind of plan for, if you make quicker decisions, you have more time to kind of get out of the way of the thing that's happening, right? Um, so we had a much easier time of it. We would have survived either way. It wasn't like people died when the fire burned through. They just had to deal with it. But we had a much simpler experience that was much less um, difficult for the children because we made, a, made quicker decisions that allowed us to get out before it got really congested. And I think that's the same thing for like a hurricane or a flood situation, right? If you kind of know it's coming and you can get out before, if you can get an out an hour or two before other, a lot of other people who aren't gathering their stuff as fast or who have more things they have to take care of, then you won't be sitting in traffic for so long. You know, it just, it's not like you're going to die if you don't get out fast enough, but it's makes it a simpler experience if you can get out quicker. So hopefully that makes sense. So like, don't panic. Don't panic. <laughs> and that's part of why I want to have this class because um, studies have shown that if you think through how you would handle an emergency, then you probably won't panic when it actually happens. So thinking about it and talking about it, then when it actually happens, you're like, wait, I know this. I know this. Of course, you might still get an adrenaline rush, right? Because it's just kind of like alarming when someone walks in and there's blood spurting, right? That's pretty inevitable that you're going to get a reaction to that. Yeah. But um, take a smoke. I think the shower's free right now. Um, but yeah, making a quicker decision. Now let's talk about other kinds of emergencies. What if someone has a heart attack, you know, like your grandpa? Um, if a person is having a heart attack, they're feeling chest pain, right? They're feeling like it's hard to breathe. Maybe they feel kind of tight in their jaw or tight in their arm or tight in their back. Okay. They're not feeling good. But sometimes people don't go to the hospital. They're kind of like, oh, 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 oh I just can't 
breathe. And then they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I've got some, I, I got to finish this. I got to finish this yard work or whatever. Right. I've got to finish filling this raised bed or planting this tree. And then they wait too long. And that's how people die. Um, most of the time, if you go in quickly, <clears throat> they can, they can help fix it. Right. Cause a heart attack, there's a blockage. So part of your heart isn't getting enough, um, blood into it. And then the tissue starting to die and you're not, you're feeling like, you know, like the blood's not getting through, but they have medicines to help you. Oh, what are some of the medicines? So one that you would recognize is aspirin. And um, everybody has aspirin around pretty much. It's a common medication to have. So that's a kind of a, a typical recommendation is if someone is having heart attack symptoms is to um, chew, drink a glass of water and chew an aspirin, but then still quickly go to the hospital. So the idea is the aspirin might help a little bit while you're driving to the hospital. When you go to the hospital, they give you stronger medicines than aspirin. And those medicines will, will um, dissolve the clot, but they have to be supervised because any medicine that thins your blood or dissolves clots, you have to kind of watch the person's whole body just to see how they're tolerating it. <clears throat> so we'll write the symptoms here, chest and neck pain, tightness, um, maybe back pain. Sometimes it can feel like heartburn. So just so you know, sometimes a heart attack presents a little bit differently. And so, yeah, you would have, you would chew an aspirin and drink water and go right to the hospital. Or if you were with your grandpa, so say you're with your grandpa, just having a nice day with you and grandpa, right? At, and he starts to have heart attack symptoms and you're too young to drive, right? So you can't drive him to the hospital. Then you'd call the ambulance. And um, you call 911. You guys know how to call 911, right? Just 911. Yeah. yeah. And they would kind of walk you through it. You, they'd say, hello, how can we help you? What's going on? And then what would you say? Like my grandpa's having, having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then they'd say, okay, well, you know, help is on the way. Uh, what's your address? Can you confirm your address? And then hopefully you know your address or you know your grandpa's address. What if you didn't know your grandpa's address? Because sometimes you go someplace your whole life and you never actually know the number of the house. How could you find... How could you find out the address if you had to, if you were at a place where you weren't, you didn't actually know the number? Go ask somebody. You could ask your grandpa if he can talk. Yeah, he could give you the address. Um, <clears throat> if he was already kind of like past the point of talking, you could probably find a piece of his mail, right? Any kind of mail that was around. And you could run out to the front of the house and look at the number, right? Also. Very often when you're calling from a landline, they can tell what number you're calling from, but they just want to confirm. But if it's a cell phone, they might 
be able to track your location, but they might not be able to. <clears throat> On a cell phone, you can, it will, it will tend to track your location if you don't turn it off. But sometimes maybe your grandpa has a super simple cell phone. You're calling from his cell phone. There's no location tracking on it. So you'd have to tell them where you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And <clears throat> all right. What about another thing that can happen to old people? This is a stroke. Have you guys ever heard of people having strokes? Yeah. Gemma, what do you know about strokes? I don't, I don't know much, but they're not good. They're definitely not good. <laughs> definitely not good. And there's, there's really not much you can do for strokes at home. I'm going to show you um, a picture of kind of what's happening with the stroke on the inside. But of course, you don't really, there's different types of strokes and you don't know what type you're having. So you see here, you've got the two main types of strokes. And so either you can have a leaky blood vessel situation or you can have a blockage in the blood vessels. See that? So hemorrhagic is when it's bleeding, leaking blood. And then ischemic is when there's, um, it's kind of, is the blockage part of it. But sometimes I think the blood vessels can just be fragile and then blood starts to leak out. But this is obviously not what you're seeing because it's all inside your head. The symptoms of a problem in your brain would be that a person would act weird. Like cuckoo? Maybe. Okay, so there's this is what's so weird about strokes. Depending on where the stroke is, and what part of your brain it affects, it will make different things happen. So for instance, the back of your brain has to do with your balance. So if somebody had a stroke back here, they would get really wobbly and like fall over or not be able to stand up straight. Like they'd be like the room's spinning. If they had a stroke like over here, each side of your brain controls the opposite side of your body. So if they had a stroke here, then you, there's something weird would happen with their face and their arm here. Like their face would droop. I can't do this for well. It'd be like, like the opposite side of your, where you had the stroke would droop. And maybe this arm wouldn't work. They'd be like, I can't move my arm, right? Or my arm feels weird. And then if they had a stroke more in the front where you are having all your words and your language, they, um, they might not be thinking straight. So you could have them, they might be, thinking they're saying regular words and they're actually just saying nonsense. Or they might be saying real words, but they're all out of order or they're words that are the wrong words. Yeah, uh, I, my teacher, I think it was like her friend. She had a, um, she had a friend who had a stroke on the front of her brain and uh, she started, um, and and then so she rushed her to like the ER, like the hospital mm -hmm. and, and they like kind of fixed her, but she couldn't really talk in a complete sentence. Like if she wanted water, she'd just say water. Mm -hmm. Like, and usually sometimes like with colors, she'd say the opposite thing oh. that she wanted to. Like if she said black, she could mean white. Huh. 
So she couldn't. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, like how my teacher described it, like somebody took the family tablet, like they're all like lost words. Yeah. In your right. brain. And after someone has a brain, has a stroke brain problem, you know, maybe after a couple of years, they get some of their brain power back. Maybe they don't get it all back. People can often learn to rewalk after a, a big stroke. If you have a big stroke, one whole side of your body might not work. And then you have to kind of learn how to use that side of your body again. But maybe six months later, you're kind of walking with a cane. But it's a lot of work. Every time I see little babies learn how to walk, I think about people who have strokes. Little babies don't care how much work it is because they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> they don't, right? And they're so small and they're, they're made out of cartilage. So when they hit the ground, it's not that rough. But when you have an adult body learning, relearning how to walk, it's a lot of work. And we have all this equipment that we have to help people with. Now, I'll tell you an interesting story, which I hope is memorable and then maybe helpful. Someone I know left their kid with the grandpa one day because they were going to take the grandma out for dinner or to a show or something. So they didn't want the grandpa to be alone. He was about 70. They had a kid who'd just gotten their license. They were 16 or 17. So this boy is sitting, hanging out with grandpa and they're watching a movie or whatever. And grandpa says, where did grandma go? And he said, oh, she went to the show with, you know, Aunt Peggy or whatever. And he's like, okay. And then five minutes later, grandpa asks again, where'd, where'd grandma go? He's like, she went to the show. And then they keep playing the game or watching the movie or whatever. And then five minutes later, he asks again. And at that point, the boy knew something was wrong. He didn't quite know for sure it was a stroke because there wasn't the other signs, right? His face wasn't drooping. There wasn't really anything obvious, but his thinking had suddenly become unclear. This wasn't a grandpa with dementia. He just suddenly couldn't remember for five or 10 minutes. So he drove him to the hospital right away and, and the grandpa was okay. So with stroke, there's really not much you can do at home. Um, it's just, it's a complicated thing to treat. So you want to just get the person to the hospital or call the ER, uh, call the ambulance, whatever. So pretty much any kind of sign that your brain is acting weird, that would be a stroke sign. Um, so slurred speech. Um, disorientation. Um, numbness or tingling. Um, Have you ever experienced like a stroke? Um, my grandma had a stroke. Uh, I wasn't there, but I saw her afterwards and she had, it was a pretty big stroke. So she'd lost like movement on one whole side of her body. And then my friend's husband, he's quite a bit older than her. He had a stroke and about six or eight months ago. So he's now at the stage where he can walk with a cane. And so he's recovering and he's about 70, but it's a lot of work, but they knew what it was. You know, she, she was, she's in her forties. 
And so um, she knew it was a stroke or he, you know, she woke up in the morning and he couldn't move on one side. So she took him to the hospital right away. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've known people that haven't that it's happened to, it hasn't happened to anyone in my family yet. There is something that kind of looks like a stroke called Bell's palsy where one whole side of your face gets kind of numb, but it's more like it's an infection in your muscles. You still go to the doctor, but it's not like an emergency. But, so you don't call 911? Well, if you can't tell, if you can't tell whether someone is having Bell's palsy or stroke, and you probably wouldn't be able to, then just call 911. You know, if a person has insurance, <laughs> that, that trip is covered. Also, the people who come, the EMTs that come, they'll help figure out what's going on. So if a person has one side of their face that's drooping, they might say, you know, I don't think it's a stroke. I think it's just Bell's palsy. Why don't you drive them yourself? Because it does cost money to transport in the ambulance. They might give you that advice. But if they can't tell, they'll just take them in. So with Bell's palsy, it's just, it's more in your face. But like one whole side of your face can also droop. So it's weird. Um, Wait, and if you can't drive, then... Then you have to call, then, yeah, then you'd call 911 or or you'd run over to the, ask the neighbor to drive you if you have a stay-at-home mom neighbor, you know, somebody that would be willing to drive. Yep. Um, so another, does anyone have an, someone in their family or their school or their church that is diabetic? Well, my grandma does like um, dialysis. Oh, so she's got, she's got a kidney thing, yeah. And you know what's interesting about kidney conditions is if she needed dialysis and she didn't get it for a few extra days, she, it would be a little bit like she had a stroke because when all those um, those chemicals build up from your kidneys not working, you you get kind of disoriented. You just feel really gross and kind of out of it. So you would definitely know something was up and maybe, but it might not be a stroke. Yeah. So in diabetes, someone's blood sugar can be way too high or way too low. And if someone's blood sugar is way too high, they'll look really weird. It'll look like they're drunk. Like they can be really like, uh, like loopy and goofy and crazy and laughing. It almost is a little bit like being drunk from a, from a metabolic perspective. They could also get very low blood sugar and then they would get weepy and shaky and maybe really confused. But what I've always heard about diabetic emergencies is it can be kind of hard to tell whether someone's having a low or a high because in either case they act so weird, it's hard to tell, right? Now, Often people who are diabetic wear bracelets or necklaces that have a little tag that say, I have diabetes, right? Um, my name is Emily or something like that. So <clears throat> you give them sugar, um, give sugar, juice, or candy. Now I know that sounds weird because you're like, well, what if they have high blood sugar? They don't need more sugar, right? It seems weird. However, 
since you can't tell without pricking their finger, whether it's high or low. Um, if it's high and you give them a piece of candy or a glass of juice, you're going to make it a little more high, but you can't, but that's, that's the best you can do. But if it were low and you didn't give them sugar, they could die. So there's more, much, much, much more risk if it's too low that, so it makes sense. You give them sugar kind of no matter what, if a person's having a diabetic event, you just give them sugar and then still get them to the hospital so they can be evaluated. Does that make sense? Um, so you can see it might be hard sometimes to tell what kind of emergency you're having, right? If it were, if it were a young person who was weak and disoriented, you'd probably think, oh, diabetes. Young people don't usually get strokes, right? If it's an old person, you're gonna think stroke. But it's also possible for an old person to have diabetes, right? So you kind of don't know, right? So you have to think about, do I know anything about this person? And you talk and ask them some questions. See what you could find out. <clears throat> Um, let's see. Other common things. Um, oh, well, let's talk. We're going to talk more about this as we get into each different type of, um, emergency, but what if you found someone and they were like passed out? It's very unlikely. This has never happened to me in my life. Um, or I was never the first person on the scene. I've, I've walked by scenes where someone else had passed out, but there were already people there helping. What would you do if you found someone passed out? Would you wake them up? You'd try to wake them up for sure. Yep. Yep. You check their breathing, try to figure out what's going on. Yep. Um, yeah. So you, you, I mean, if you can see that they're breathing, but they're, you can't wake them up, then what's the most likely reason they're, they're passed out? Maybe they had a heart attack? Yeah, I mean, if, so it could be they're having something like a heart attack where they feel really bad um, and they're not getting enough oxygen to their brain, but they're, they're still breathing a little bit. <clears throat> um, yeah, or maybe they had a seizure or something that just kind of turned their brain off. <clears throat> it could be that they're just exhausted. Maybe, maybe they just worked a 48 hour shift at their work and then they, they thought they could walk to their car just fine. And then their body just turned off and they just collapsed, right? That is also possible. Um, it could be that they're having a diabetic emergency <clears throat> and their blood sugar got too low. So that would be one of the things you'd look at. You'd look at their wrists, see if they have a bracelet, see if they have a necklace, look at their chest, look at their face, you know, see what you can learn about the person by looking at them and try to talk to them, try to kind of shake them awake. <clears throat> one time my daughter <laughs> passed out effectively 
she fell asleep just rock rock hard and um she'd been at a sleepover but not slept she'd like basically stayed up all night <clears throat> and um she was supposed to be watching the baby in the car and the baby started crying and she just was like gone asleep totally out of it because she was so sleep deprived it could also be if somebody took too much of a certain medication maybe they they took the wrong dose of a medication that can make you pass out if someone drinks too much alcohol that can make them pass out um, and then also if you drink even an, a moderate amount of alcohol combined with certain medications and you don't know that the combination is bad that can make you pass out so so yeah in every case you're going to try to kind of like nudge the person and be like are you okay are you okay right and then you're going to see if they can talk to you see if you can wake them up right so if it's someone who's just exhausted they're going to look okay right they're going to like their skin color would look fine they're breathing fine they have night they're taking deep breaths while they sleep right <clears throat> they just their body just kind of turned off but if it was somebody having a, a seizure, they'd be shaking, right? They, their face might be really pale. They might be sweaty. If they're having a heart attack, that can also make your face pale and sweaty. Um, if they can't answer your questions, if you kind of half wake them up, but they're super disoriented. So that's definitely a situation where you'd want to yell for help. Don't leave the person if you can help it, but yell for some help. Um, if you have to leave them to get help, then leave them. But if you can, if there's people walking by and you can say, Hey, help, help, help. This person needs help, you know? Um, or if you had a phone, you could call 911. If the person can talk to you, you can say, can I call 911? I need, it looks like you need some help. You know, you'd have a conversation, but yeah, if you ever see someone just totally passed out in the road or on the side of the street or something, you'd probably want to you know, maybe help figure out what's wrong as if, if you're an adult or get an adult to help figure it out. Yes. I think Marco needs, Marco's getting in his carpool now. Um, um, you have to unmute yourself if you want to talk with Do you have a question, Marco? Yeah. Um, what if what if they're fine like how do you tell because you said like they're breathing normally like how could you tell if yeah okay for myself for myself i would if it was a young healthy looking person and they were dressed like a medical student you know they had a collared shirt on and like nice pants i would guess this is a young doctor who just worked way too many hours right? See, you're going to look at the whole picture. He's got a nice watch on. There's no diabetic bracelet, right? I'm going to say this is a young doctor who worked too many hours, but I'm still going to try to wake him up and call his family because somebody needs to pick him up off the side of the road, right? Um, and it's a good thing he didn't pass out while he was driving a car. Otherwise he would be dead. If it's an, a middle-aged or older, but even young people do have heart attacks occasionally, especially at a place like the gym where they might push themselves hard. And if they had a heart defect that they didn't know about, they could suddenly have a heart event. I met someone who had this happen and he was like 32. He had a heart attack 
So, but I think he had some kind of heart, little heart condition that became worse as he was exercising. Um, so if it's somebody middle-aged or older, I'm going to think heart attack, stroke, maybe they had a seizure and they're just kind of sleeping after a seizure. Those could all be things that could happen. But in each of those cases, I'd want to, I'd want to get them some help. Yeah. It, it can be hard to tell for sure if you can't wake them up. And I'm sure there's other options too. Oh, um, so diabetes could be medication, could be drinking, could be any number of things, but yeah. So the only case where I would assume it was just fatigue would be if it was a young guy that was dressed like a doctor, because I know they always push themselves too hard physically. They do these really long shifts. But other than that, I, you know, that person should still be able to be woken up in about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> and um, you could pull their wallet out, right? If your phone's out, you could, <laughs> if you just thought they were passed out asleep, even if you're not, if they're passed out, you could pull out their thumb, put their thumbprint on their phone. It'll open up all their contacts and it could say wife, mom, right? And you could call some of their contacts. In addition to calling 911, you could call their contact and say, hey, this I'm next to your son and he's passed out on the side of the road. And um, I'm not sure what's going on with him. You know, is he diabetic? Is there anything you can tell me? Should I call 911? So if the person's breathing and it looks like they're breathing okay, then obviously their heart is beating. But there's still something weird going on, right? That you could help try to figure out. And if you can open up their phone, you can call someone important in their life. You could probably call any of their contacts really, but if you can find mom, dad, sister, wife, sometimes people label their contacts like that. So you might say, Joe, husband. So, yeah. Um, also, most phones have an emergency setting where you can make one call. You can open it up, say, this is an emergency. It'll open up the contacts for you to make one call or two calls, even if you don't actually have the code. So one time my daughter left her phone at a store and someone did this. They opened up, they said emergency and they, and they dialed the number that said mom. So they got my number and called me and said, I think I have your daughter's phone. So that was great. It wasn't like a 911 emergency, but it helped us get the phone before having, we drove away from there. Okay, so I guess those are just some general things that are not super likely, but it's kind of good to know about in case you ever see it happen. Probably, in the course of my life, um, I've known people that all of these things happened to. I wasn't always there when it happened to them. But my, my husband's plumber that he works with was having a heart attack. And he was like in his 40s. He's kind of young to be having a heart attack. Maybe he's 50. And he was trying to finish this plumbing job. And his employee was like, dude, I think you're having a heart attack. And he's like, oh, 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 I'm going to be fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then he's like, I just need to, I just need to finish the sink. <laughs> and his, 
his employee was like, dude, you can't like, he's like, if by the time you get this whole bathroom finished in an hour, you, you might be dead, right? We just need to go to the hospital now. So <laughs> he kind of talked him into going when he wouldn't have gone sooner, much sooner than he would have gone on his own and, and maybe saved his life. Um, so, you know, you won't necessarily have to like do CPR on someone, but sometimes you might be that person that's going to help somebody take action sooner and make a better decision than they would on their own. Or, or like the case of the guy that was with his grandpa, you know, he, he spotted it first. The grandpa didn't know anything was weird. So he spotted the stroke right when it was starting so that they could get help. So yeah, any questions? Look, you look like you almost had a question, Gemma. No? Okay. Well, we're going to have four more classes. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about whatever questions you guys think of each time. And maybe you could ask your parents, you know, what have you seen ever seen any of these emergencies? Um, you know, it might, they might have, and it just didn't occur to them to mention it. But if you ask them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, one time I was at the mall and this thing happened, right? So, okay, well, I'll let you guys go. Thanks for waking up early. <laughs> Cecilia, and a little, not quite so early for Gemma, but still a little bit on the early side. Um, all right, I'll see you all next week. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.